welcome back to another episode of Well-Lit Path. In Psalm 41, David reminds us that when all others are against us, the Lord is for us. But first, how's your week? It is wedding time for our family as we prepare for my daughter to get married this coming weekend. Uh, the wedding will mean that both of my kids will be married. I, I kind of remember back to two young kids getting started in life when my wife, Crystal, and I got married. And I, I think of how our kids, they kind of got it so much more together than we did. You know, as I think back to that time, there was no shortage of folks that suspected our marriage wouldn't last. Uh, they wanted to believe that it would and prayed the best for us, but uh, we were young and broke, and it was difficult for sure. Uh, and not much has changed except for maybe the young part. Uh, the Lord has blessed us and allowed us to be comfortable in our middle years. Uh, despite all of those, and even sometimes, to be honest, we ourselves that weren't sure that we'd make it, there were more than a few people that constantly held us up in their prayers. There were people that loved us and loved that we had made a decision to enter into marriage to honor each other and God. And I know they prayed for us without ceasing. I'm sure there are some outside of my family that still pray for us today, as a matter of fact, though time and miles may separate us now. And while I wouldn't say that those that doubted opposed us per se, they did doubt. There were some that believed and prayed, claiming the truth that what the Lord has joined together, let no man break apart. I really do believe to this day that those prayers, those continual prayers, are what kept our marriage from falling apart in the difficult and troubled times. And no matter what we were going through, the Lord was for us. That fact, strengthened by the prayers of many saints, was a blessing in our lives even when we weren't aware of it. As Christians, life is hard. Uh, knowing Jesus, accepting him as our personal Lord and Savior doesn't mean that we'll never face adversity. It doesn't mean that we'll never suffer or see trials. But as we go through them and we share them with other Christians, with our church family, when we allow our brothers and sisters in Christ to break in and be fellow laborers in our struggles, we're reminded that God is for us. He's right there beside us. He holds us up. He defends his cause in us. He blesses us with his presence and removes the loneliness and the hurt that we experience with a strong hand of power. You know, let the words, world say that we're weird. Let them say that we're different. Let them say that our beliefs are archaic and bigoted. Let them say that we're intolerant of their intolerance. You know, let them say that our religion is a crutch, that we're weak, and that we need some God to lean upon. Because in all honesty, yes, we are weak. We do need a God to lean upon, but not just any God. We lean upon, we pray to, we yield to the true and living God, the only God who can save us, the only God we can run to. He is Jehovah. And there's none like him. And David reminds himself and us of this fact in our passage today. Psalm 41, beginning in verse 1. 
Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up that I might requite them. By this I know that thou favors me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. You know, as I read this, I couldn't help but think, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Who are the poor and needy? You know, in this passage, the Lord immediately took me to those people that I harbor some kind of anger or indignation against in my life. Real wrongs, perceived wrongs. Those who are poor and needy spiritually, yet because of my failure to grant them forgiveness, I'm the one that's poor in spirit and needy of healing. It hurts. It hurts when a church talks behind your back about how you move without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It hurts. It hurts when a former church family become cold, indifferent, even spiteful towards you. It hurts when a family member who claims to love God just as much as you do condemns you for being too narrow-minded or not narrow-minded enough. It hurts when preacher brothers accuse you of compromise for allowing, quote-unquote, things in your church that are a matter of church liberty and self-governance under the leading of the Holy Spirit. But you know what's just as hurtful to me? What affects my spirit just as much? When we don't forgive them for it. When I let it sit there and I let it fester. When every thought I have of them becomes tainted with this bitterness that I can't be rid of. What did God forgive me of? 
you know, I, I'm having a hard time getting off the topic of the things and how immense God's forgiveness for us has been in our lives recently. You know, having been saved now for more than 80% of my life, it's finally, finally sinking in for me as we go through these Psalms just how wicked and wretched I am and how much I was in need of forgiveness. And didn't we ask for that? And though we have that forgiveness, don't we ask to be reconciled to him when we break that fellowship even today, counting on the forgiveness that he's already granted us by faith? How much have we hurt God? Didn't Jesus himself weep at the ignorance and rejection of Jerusalem in Luke 41? But let's not talk about how it grieved him when Adam sinned. Let's not talk about how grieved he was when Peter denied him three times. Let's not talk about some concept of how sin grieves him. Let's talk about how you and I have grieved him. Every time we heard the gospel and didn't respond. Every time we take his promises for granted. Let's talk about the times when we grieve him when we're not good representatives of him living inside us. Let's talk about that time last week when we yelled at our kids because they were getting on our last nerve. Knowing that they didn't know better. Knowing that they were just trying to get our attention. Knowing that they just wanted to have a moment with mommy or daddy. And yet we lashed out. Because in our own selfishness, we wanted time for ourselves. I know how you're feeling right now. I've been there. I want to tell you that God forgives you for that. Have you taken it to him? Have you asked for your kids to forgive you? It's an important lesson to teach our kids that we need forgiveness, that God is just as merciful to us, that we do wrong too, and that we're in need of forgiveness. What about when our spouse said that one thing? You know, they didn't mean it the way that we took it, but it's just been sitting there festering. Does it mean that they don't love us? Does it mean that they were trying to hurt our feelings or make us feel small or weak or inadequate or what? You know better than I do how it made you feel in that moment. And we're not even sure that they meant it that way. But, but until they come talk to me, it's the silent treatment in our house until someone breaks. And you will not be the one who breaks. What if God had taken that attitude with us? What if God had never pursued us? Because let's face it, we never pursued him. Someone planted a seed and the Holy Spirit started working, which moved us toward him by unseen hands, but we never pursued him. Yet he left heaven to pursue us. 
and we won't come down from the upstairs bedroom or we won't leave the garage or the craft room or the home office to pursue our spouse. We won't let go of our pride. He left glory. So why do we struggle to forgive when he's forgiven us of so much? Yes, we are human, but we too can show grace. We can forgive when it's unsolicited. But what about your best friend that hasn't returned your text for a few days? Or your brother or sister that broke that thing that you really loved on purpose and there's this spite forming towards them. But let's be more specific. What about that brother or sister who hasn't wanted anything to do with the family forever? Who thinks that they're above everyone else and haven't been in touch with the family in years because of some misunderstanding or some wrong that's never been righted? What about the sibling or parent that stole money from you? Swindled you out of some savings? Took advantage of your Christian kindness? And you know you'll never see them again, but you have this bitterness that you've harbored in your heart. And for some of us, should we keep holding it against our parents that they were bad parents or not the best parents, that they never tried, that they didn't love like you needed? Maybe we've had parents that just neglected us as a child or wronged us as a child or abused us as a child. It is tough to forgive like that. I'm not saying those things are easy. Forgive us our debts. It's tough to forgive the people who killed your only begotten son. It's tough to send him to earth. He wanted to go. He was ready to go, but you had to send him. Knowing that his own creation would kill him, would hate him, that millennia later they would deny who he was and is today. Have we ever had to forgive anything like that? Despite the painful disappointments from all those that have wronged us, aren't they the poor? Aren't they the needy? They're poor because they haven't the rich blessings of God on their lives. They're poor because they bear the weight of their wrong. They're poor because they're still in their trouble. Let it go. And this isn't a motto I'm stealing from a Disney movie. This is an action we should emulate straight from God. He's placed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Can we forgive like this? God says we have to trust him. We have to let him take the bitterness. When we grant forgiveness, when we consider the poor in spirit, this is when he blesses us, when we most look like him. And David knew that his enemies were the ones that were poor. He knew that they didn't know God, his God, our God, the way that he did. He wanted God's blessing. He wanted God's power in his life. He didn't want to be trapped in the bitterness and the hate his enemies were trapped in. So, okay, that was verse one. 
the Holy Spirit hit me so hard with verse one. Because y'all, there's some forgiveness I need to grant in my life. There are people that I need to be delivered from. The only way to be delivered from the weight of their wrongs are to forgive them, not to hold on to it. Then the Lord will deliver me from the trouble of the bitterness. He'll preserve me. He'll keep my life feeling like I'm living it fully. He doesn't want part of my life to be victorious. He wants all of my life to be victorious. He wants to bless me. He wants to free me from it. He wants to strengthen me. And the great thing about forgiveness is the more we practice it, the easier it gets. It's like exercise or a workout. The more you work out a certain muscle group, the stronger it gets. We all need to flex and work out our forgiveness muscle a little bit more. And we need healing. Our hearts can't hang on to what we've been hanging on to. It poisons our spiritual life. It's like this little ball of darkness we harbor and try to hide. To God, it's the glaring part of what he keeps us from being. To God, it's the glaring part of what keeps us from being used to our full effectiveness. We can't say we're surrendered to him, but hold on to our hate and our bitterness. You know, this passage is believed to have been another psalm that was written at the time of Absalom's betrayal of David and then Ahithophel's subsequent betrayal as well. And Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. We've heard plenty about her so far in our psalm's journey. This is the woman whom David had an affair with, got pregnant, tried to cover it up, and then had her husband killed. And Ahithophel as we may have discussed before, was David's trusted advisor. But after the ordeal with Bathsheba, Ahithophel never forgave David. He let bitterness fester. I can't help but think this is who David is referring to as being poor in the beginning of the psalm. While David had acknowledged his sin and received forgiveness from the Lord, Ahithophel had refused to forgive and become an enemy of David. The psalm implies Ahithophel was happy and accusatory when David was struggling with sickness and depression after committing the sins in the situation with Bathsheba. That he deserved it that it was his punishment. It implies that Ahithophel was secretly waiting for David to die, that he believed that only that would be his just reward. And then Ahithophel conspired with others even then to try and ensure that David's name would die out. And isn't that how we feel sometimes about those close friends? family members and church family that have wronged us? That we feel like when something happens in their life that that's their just reward? Are we being someone's enemy 
are we guilty of looking at some situation in their lives and saying, well, that must be God punishing them for fill in the blank. How they wronged you, how they wronged someone else, how they may simply be struggling with a sin in their lives. We're so easy to justify and assign a reason for their plight or their malady, yet we can be so slow to jump in and come alongside them, to pray for them, to let them know that we're praying for them. Instead, we'd rather hold on to our bitterness. We'd rather cluck our tongues at them. We'd rather be a Pharisee. Hmm. It hurts, doesn't it? And the Holy Spirit starts dancing on our toes. It can be so bad sometimes. Kind of, you, you feel like sometimes you should be wearing steel toes. It's easy to sit back and feel like all these people are just against us. Like those that doubted the success of my marriage. Why is that still important? Have I still not forgiven them? Now, when I started into this psalm, I felt like it was going to go one way. And here, the Holy Spirit has me looking at myself and evaluating where I need to forgive. Because God loves them as much as he loves me. God has a place for them in eternity just like he does me. Who is it for you? Who are you still furious with? Who's the person you knew was against you? They would have kicked you when you were down, and maybe they did kick you when you were down. Maybe, just maybe, you're one of those people who was raised with this twisted view, this Pharisaic view that we had to maintain our salvation with works. That it was how we lived that secured the reality of our salvation. That if we didn't live the cookie-cutter standard set forth by the pastor or the deacons or the agreed-upon church prescription of how a Christian looked, that we were somehow less saved, less holy, that we had somehow received less of the Holy Spirit or less of grace than those that did fit that definition. Maybe you were the person that was hoodwinked by a pastor or a church who had told you that you had to dress this way, talk this way, cut your hair this length, or not let it grow to a certain length, or not cut it too short. That this was Christian music and that this other music over here wasn't. And maybe, right now as you're listening to this, all of those people are running through your mind. You're thinking about all of the wasted years you could have been serving God in earnest. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, O oh, glorious day.
pray for them. Pray over them. Pray for God to give you the strength to forgive them, to truly leave it in the past and to move on in the fully blessed life he has planned for you. You know, the more and more he shows me in his word, the more I see the abundant kind of life that he wants us, as Jesus himself describes, wants us to have, as Jesus himself described in John 10, 10b. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to forgive. He wants us to more closely look like him. And the only way to do that is to let go of the bitterness against those friends who've betrayed us, those trusted leaders who gave us mostly the truth, but mixed in some preferential truths. The brother or sister, father or mother who didn't treat us fairly, maybe who downright mistreated us. That one church that hurt you, so all churches are bad. That one church that made you believe that no church could possibly be good. It's going to be hard. And David knew it would be. He asked the Lord to grant him mercy so that he could make amends, so that he could forgive them. He asked to be raised up so he could forgive them. He knew that what he was feeling would drag him down to the same place that they were, that dark pit where bitterness becomes who we are, where the bitterness defines us more than the forgiveness we know we have. He knew he needed to be raised up, that he needed God to reach down and in his mercy show him how to forgive. He, he didn't have it in himself to do it. He knew he needed to. He knew the blessings that came from it. And we don't have it in us either. It's easy to sit here and talk about it. It's easy to know that we need to and that we need to let go and live abundantly, to live life fully blessed. We know that it's in our best interest that this is how the Lord preserves our hearts, keeps us close to Him, makes us most like Him. But it hurts. But you don't know what they did to me. And I don't. I don't need to. And while I would welcome the opportunity to learn about your struggle and who you just can't seem to forgive, I'd rather hear about who God helped you forgive. Because it's only in His help that we can forgive like Him. It's only with His help that we can forget like Him. Not forget the thing that happened, but forget the hurt and the pain that came with it. So that when we think of it, we think of victory and not of that time that we were defeated. That we can think of how God has moved us past that. That our life has found abundance in Him. That our life has found joy in the forgiveness we granted because of the forgiveness He granted us. We have his favor. We're his children. He wants only good for us continually, yet we want to hold on to this one bad thing or this string of bad things. 
if he delivered us from an eternal death, if he delivered us from the sin that was sending us to an eternity without him, if he could make us adopted, loved, if he can instruct us to call him Abba, Father, a close child of his, a beloved child of his, if he can do this for us, can we not forgive these things? These comparatively small things, and I don't mean to minimize your pain at all, but it dwarfs in comparison to how good our God wants to be and has been to us. Your forgiveness of this person may be the one thing that plants the seed of the gospel that leads to salvation. Your forgiveness may be the catalyst for restoration. Your forgiveness may be the instigation of truth for the offender. And it may not. The person that offended you may never change, ever. And we may leave this life with them never knowing that we've forgiven them. But you'll know. You'll know that in your time of struggle when you couldn't let go, God gave you his own integrity, held you up by his integrity that he granted to you to forgive. That above all things, he wanted you to be whole, that he wanted to give you victory so he could use you like he never has before. And he does this so that we can be before his face. This is an old comparison that means that we're welcome in his presence, that we can come in and be close to him face to face, always with him. In granting forgiveness, we're granted the forgiveness we seek. And this, this restores us to the fullest fellowship with our God, with our Father. This puts us right there with him. I kept in my heart all the wrongs I'd been done. I hid them away, away from the sun. I added to them, I stirred and festered them. I pulled them out from time to time, I poked and pestered them. Look at what they did here and look how I was wronged there. Telling anyone who'd listen, regardless of whether they cared. I shared my hurt more than blessing. It became my testimony. It defined me, then it robbed me. My hurt started to own me. But wait, who owned me? Who had given me life? Who had forgiven? Who had won the fight? Was I not a child of God? Had I not wronged him more? Had he not sought me out? Did he not knock at my door? Then in his word, there it was, the joy I had missed. Part of his blessing is teaching us forgiveness. When I let it go, when I let him know I couldn't do it on my own, he said he already knew. He said I wasn't alone. He forgave, so I'll forgive. I can't. He can See there how he stretched out his hands? 
and I'll stretch my hands forward, no longer a slave to defeat. I'll forgive like he did those who made my heart bleed. Victorious in him, living life abundant. Blessed be his name, what I couldn't, he has done it. You know, David ends with a praise to the only one who can deliver us from this kind of hurt. Blessed be the God who sets us free, the God who saves us, the God who forgives. And then the psalm ends with amen and amen. That's a double reinforcement. That's saying, and let it be, and let it be. So let us doubly go and put this psalm into practice. Because you know the names that plagued your mind as we walked through this psalm together. But only you can start down the road to forgiving them. You only have to answer one question. Will you start today? Thanks for walking with me a while as we read the word together. Won't you join me again next week? And we'll walk just a little further. If you like the podcast, go ahead and hit that follow button. If you have any questions about salvation or general podcast questions, uh, reach out to us via email at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Facebook by looking for LWBC underscore publications. 